the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome. Welcome on back to our itsy bitsy yada yada yada. We've got a good show for you tonight and I hope you'll stick around. I'm Randy Corcoran, your pumped up purveyor of principled, passionate patriotism. And our phone number is 303-696-1971, 696-1971. And just made it in here by the skin of my teeth. I uh, just got back from California a day ago. And uh, the, uh, well, let's see, when did I get back? Was it uh, yesterday afternoon, I guess? Anyway, um, then today I had to spend the entire day at the Rock Church in Castle Rock because we had the Republican Colorado State GOP Central Committee meeting. And very important meeting, voting on opting out of the open primary, bylaws changes, putting our plan together for presidential delegates, all of those things. Really was a fascinating day there. But I flew home, and man, I am so glad I didn't stop to get the Harley for this beautiful, beautiful evening, because I got to Parker and Quincy, and it wasn't just shut down with a crash, it was shut off. They had it blocked completely going um, northbound toward the radio station. I was coming from the Parker area, and, uh, and they wouldn't let you through. So I thought the quickest way is to whip around on chambers, and I... Managed to get around the line of traffic that wants to creep through the parking lot instead to get around the crash. And get onto Chambers, and there's another crash. Three cars just rear-ended each other. I'm guessing that they were part of the massive line of cars that was escaping the first wreck. And I just thought, oh, man, you poor people. But I avoided them, got here, Blake ran down, let me in, because I also left my key card to the building here. In my safe, in my hotel room, along with a couple of credit cards and a little bit of cash and a car key. This is brilliant. Just brilliant move. Um, When I was out there in California visiting the Reagan Library and forcing myself to sit through the second Republican presidential debate. And man, oh man, if you heard the crossover between Mike Boyle and me right before the top of the hour here, I just thought it was a debacle. The members of our debate committee, there were only a, there were a small number of Republican National Committee persons there, maybe 10, 12, something like that. Ronna McDaniel, of course, some of the officers. Uh, I was I was privileged to be invited. I think it was probably kind of a sympathy invite because they had heard uh, me previously talking about my desire, my bucket list desire to visit the Reagan Library, which is where the debate was held. And so, you know, in light of the death of my wife and, you know, kind of trying to get excited about things again and all of that. Um, But it was just very kind. And I had a wonderful, wonderful time. Private tour of the Reagan Library. Have to go back. It wasn't long enough. And I literally worked out a deal with Ronald Reagan's son, Michael Reagan. Um, He was there at the debate with his wife, Colleen. So we got to have some conversation sitting right there by me. And um, and I know Michael only from radio. I used to listen to him in years past, and I just the 
you can definitely see the Reagan, some of the Reagan characteristics, the sense of humor and laugh and twinkle and all of that. But um, we are working out something, and we'll see if we can make it come together. I'd like to do it before January because they've got the Auschwitz exhibit there at the Reagan Library as well, and I got no time to go through that. Just saw a train car and a couple of other things that were on display to get a private tour, another private tour, a lengthier private tour, a more thorough private tour for me and seven or eight other people, and we'll raise money for charity in order to do this. But the tour, private tour will be led by Ronald Reagan's son, Michael. And he made that offer, and we exchanged information. So you may hear more about that even here on the show um, once I get my pins under me and start uh, looking ahead to what's going to happen over the next couple months. So the Colorado GOP State Committee meeting, fascinating, uh, mostly friendly, a little bit of high drama. Um, At one point, there was debate on the opt-out provision the Republican Party, again, trying to opt out of the open primary, the unconstitutional, damaging to Republican interests, open primary here in Colorado. And my colleague, Republican National Committee woman, Vera Ortegon, um, got herself in line to talk against the opt-out. And so I thought, well, if they're going to hear from one committee person, they ought to hear the other side of the story. So I got up in line. And I wound up being right behind former congressional candidate Laurel Eimer. And Laurel was also for the opt-out, and and she's a great speaker. In fact, she may check in with us later before the show is over. I'm assuming the meeting is wrapping up. I had to leave early to get here for the show. Left my proxy, of course, for the last couple of votes that I was going to have to miss. But Laurel Eimer made a very passionate and logical explanation why opting out at this stage was a good idea, even though we continue to uh, our litigation to actually stop, overturn Proposition 108 and the laws that resulted from it, uh, meanders its way through the federal court. I'll update you on that in a moment as well. But then at the end, so keep this in mind. What they do is you'd have somebody who's against it, then somebody who's for it, opposite sides, opposite microphones. And went down the list, National Committee woman Vera Ortegon, uh, someone whom I like very much personally, um, gave her argument against it. Laurel Eimer then stood up and gave her argument for it. And then at the end said, <laughs> the, the chair, Dave Williams, chastised her a bit for this, just not a big deal. But at the very end she said, and I want to take this opportunity to announce to make my formal announcement that I will be running against Vera Ortegon for Republican National Committee woman. And uh, that, was, that was a surprise and a bit of a stir. So very, very interesting sort of dramatic moment. For people who wonder, the uh, opt-out got much closer this time. And one of the problems and one of the arguments we make in our lawsuit to stop the whole open primary, unconstitutional open primary period in its tracks is that we can never get to... The way it works is if a party wants to opt out and come up with a different plan other than a wide-open primary to nominate their candidates, 75% of the entire membership has to vote to opt out. Three-quarters of everybody, about 416, 418 people. 
And we never get that many people. Quite often, we don't get 75%. In fact, I don't think any time that I've attended one of these meetings that we had 75% present in person or by proxy to even have the vote. And so because of, you know, just great marketing, because this debate is getting much stronger and more powerful, I was really proud to see that out of the 416, 418, whatever the number was, over 400 people showed up in person or by proxy to participate in this vote. And um, and so we at least had enough there to cross the threshold if we could have pulled it off. And um, last time we voted on this, it was just a little over 50% in support. This time, and this will be it now for voting for this for a couple of years, but this time uh, 64% voted to opt out. So... People are beginning to understand the whys and the what's and and what's best, and I think we're just getting more conservative, party-oriented. I want Republicans to act like Republicans, understand the platform-type people in these voting positions. So I know people were disappointed, and since I'm one of the lawyers, along with um, constitutional scholar John Eastman, on the opt-out litigation, which is in its infancy now in federal court, um, I'm playing the long game, and I think we'll be ultimately successful. Whoever loses will appeal. Whoever loses again on appeal will go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has already taken a position on our argument, and that position favors our side of this argument. It's a long haul. I get it. But um, it was progress, and the numbers are growing, and people are beginning to understand more and more. But I, I just couldn't believe this. I swung by my house. I had to um, medicate a cat and then just hopped right back in the car, grabbed my mail on the way out and in my mailbox today. So I got this after the central committee meeting is another one of those shiny, bright, funny election mailers that these hit groups put out And it's got a dark picture of our great chairman, Dave Williams. And it says, Dave Williams, cancel culture. Cancel over one million Republican votes. Cancel your vote by recycling his failed Rule 7. Cancel your voice with un-American, tyrannical rules. Attend the September 30th Central Committee meeting. Vote to stop cancel culture. And then on the other side, a smiling Dave with a uh, holding red masking tape and people behind him with their mouths taped shut unbelievable this garbage they can't win the argument on the merits so they have to scare people but the kick i got out of seeing all this in my mail today is they must i'll bet they spend i don't know how much these mailers cost i've never done one but they are not cheap tens of thousands of dollars i would assume now i guess you know thinking about it it's a small audience that these need to go to just a few hundred people that are voters on the central committee I imagine they send it out to others who can influence some of those voters as well. But the bottom line for me is whatever money they spent was completely wasted because this thing came after the vote had already occurred. So ha, 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 you idiots at 870 South Colorado Boulevard, number 1210, Glendale, Colorado, 80246, whoever you are, um, that was money that you just sort of rolled up and spit out. And at least I can take some small satisfaction with that. 
there were some rules done and uh, controversy that was settled and some different things. We may get into some of those details very, very briefly over the course of the show. But one thing that we're watching, of course, tonight is uh, it looks like Kevin McCarthy got together with some Democrats to pass a continuing resolution to just keep spending at these ridiculous levels keep the government over another six weeks while we try and work this out. You know, he could, they could have started this process months ago, started working on the individual spending resolutions, working them through, sorting them out, listening to conservatives. I wonder if Kevin McCarthy is going to survive this joining with Democrats to prolong the pain. Why in the world Republicans are afraid of government shutdowns is beyond me. Ronald Reagan had them. He held strong. He was reelected by a larger margin than the first time he won in a landslide. Donald Trump had, I believe, the longest government shutdown. And we picked up House seats in the following uh, off-year election. And uh, the polling, the interesting, this is new. And polling is really starting to go against Democrats, isn't it, with Donald Trump popping up on top of Joe Biden, even something that's never happened, the Donald Trump being ahead of the Democrat candidate in national polling. That's a first, I believe, in the history of at least Donald Trump's presidential runs. Um, But polling is just going so negatively against Democrats, and that included on this issue of shutdowns. And if you listen to MSLSD, to the Corrupt News Network, CNN, or any of those, uh, maybe Ken Buck's new home, um, you you hear them. They're expressing consternation, concern about these polls because they are – and they're having to start to report them because it's happening so consistently. Now, part of this, I believe, is part of the mainstream media's um, effort and method and intention to – work Joe Biden out of the Oval Office. That's why they're starting to report on the Biden crime family, starting to report more uh, favorably about the actual facts underlying the accusations against the Biden crime family. But in polling, national polling again, and I understand, you know, polling is polling. So take it with a grain of salt. And I never got to look in the tabs or see who all they polled or anything else. But I did see Democrats worried about this poll that if the government were to shut down, typically Republicans get all of the blame for government shutdowns. And again, we're, we're so bad at messaging. We don't stand up and point out, number one, your life probably didn't change at all. Number two, as much as I hate for you know a government employee or especially a military veteran to have their pay delayed, all of their pay always comes. They don't lose a penny. And there are stopgap measures that get put in place, uh, you know, temporary bridge loans. Uh, they can, the House can pass spending to fund the military. There's all kinds of things that can be done. Democrats, Barack Obama, uh, during the really comes to mind, make it as miserable, as hard as possible on the American people if there's a government shutdown. The, the mainstream media, corrupt and coordinated with Democrats as it is, talks about, oh, Nationwide, people are wringing their hands about a government shutdown. Most of us would never notice. The government shuts down at night. The government shuts down on weekends. The government will will be shut down on Monday, Columbus Day, 
or if you're a progressive or politically correct on Mother Cabrini Shrine Day. And you won't miss it a bit. So the polling this time, and I don't think I've ever seen this before, heard this before. I've been arguing against being afraid of government shutdowns for more than a decade with lots of empirical evidence to back me up. But this time the polling was indicating that people, citizens, Americans would blame the Democrats and Biden and his the out-of-control spending if there was a shutdown. And instead, Kevin McCarthy makes a temporary stopgap deal, including Democrats, to keep spending for another six weeks while we try and work out our differences. Just a bunch of nonsense over and over and over. And I wonder if Kevin McCarthy's speakership will survive. Because remember, in that very difficult, narrow deal that he had to make in order to get the speakership, any member can vote to vacate the chair, to vacate his position and elect, try to elect a new speaker. And that's been threatened. I wonder if it will come through. Anyway, that's the first segment of the show. We better take a pause. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by the former chair of the Colorado State GOP, Christy Burton Brown. She has moved on to bigger, brighter, and better things and has what looks to me to be a wonderful event, especially if you have kids or you have grandkids or you care about our kids and their education and what's available to them, what's being done to them. Christy Burton-Brown will join us when we return. You stay right there on 710-KNUS. Hey, we're back. It's 527. I'm Randy Corcoran. The car said on the way in that it was 89 degrees outside. So let me just check. Yeah. Wow. 84. Up oh, Now 82 and drizzle. Is it drizzling out there? Blinds are closed. I can't see. So 82 here in Aurora, 85 degrees over there in hell, otherwise known as my birth city of Denver, Colorado. Such a sad and pathetic place Denver has become. And I, I was just thinking, you know, being in California, it's kind of a mixed blessing for me because that's where I met my wife. And so flying out there and just, you know, the roads are different and that triggered memories of driving together and the palm trees, just all of those things sort of do that to me. But man, oh man, the to see Gavin Newsom out there playing the spin rooms at the Democrat or the Republican second debate at the Reagan Center and talking about, you know, being so knowledgeable about immigration and everything. He was the mayor of San Francisco. San Francisco is an absolute, where's that bleep button hole? It is just trash. It is just awful. And of course, more people, more citizens leaving California than coming in. And this guy is just up there with all this arrogance and cockiness and, and acting like, yeah, you don't need to tell me about immigration. I've got the biggest border. And, oh, God. So why in the world, why in the world is Ron DeSantis planning to debate Gavin Newsom on November 30th? Will, will anybody watch it? Will you watch it? 303-696-1971. Do you care and and I just wonder, for Gavin's sake, or for uh, DeSantis's sake, you know, Gavin is a high charisma, high energy, 
high, fast on his feet. Uh, you know, he can take some zingers. I, now, he didn't get any. He didn't really get too much from Hannity. Saw a little bit of the after um, interviews after the debate. Was invited down to the spin room just to watch all that in action. Was not the least bit interested. I, I just had to get out of there after the debate. It was, a, in my view, a monumental waste of time. And I would not have gone. gone. The, the, I appreciated having someone offer me a ticket, but I would not have gone if it hadn't been at the Reagan Library. I really wanted to get out there, see that. I thought it would do me some good, and it did. But these small people yelling over each other, talking at the same time, and I just thought, what would that have been like if Donald Trump was up on that stage? You know, it would have been like the boss and all of these nattering children just chipping away at each other. Chris Christie with his Donald Duck joke, tough guy. He's he's a little guy. Well, he's big, but he's short. And interesting to sort of see him on stage. And, uh, you know, he speaks tough. There's no question about that. And maybe he was a great prosecutor. I, I know he left New Jersey with just horrific approval ratings, big ethics scandal, all of those things. But to waste time, we have... The opposition party, the Democrat Party, including the current putative, potentially pedophilic president of the United States, prosecuting his number one opponent by a mile. Number one by a mile. And not one of those Republican candidates said a word about it. Not one moderator asked about what kind of third world circus is being run by these Democrats to simply be trying to litigate their way through another election victory in 2024 and how these how these candidates it just a nut for me another example of their weakness don't stand up and say this is wrong let the people decide the outcome of the election, not the legal system, not the biased legal system. We're seeing so much bias coming out in judges' rulings. It's unbelievable to watch. This summary judgment against Donald Trump where the New York judge valued Mar-a-Lago at, I forget, it was such a, it was a tiny amount. And, you know, no trial, no hearing, just a ruling on summary judgment, very likely to be overturned on appeal. We'll, I guess we'll see. We'll see how far up the appeals court chain that ruling goes. But it's just such an obvious effort. And all Republicans, even the ones that want to take down Donald Trump or replace him as the front runner for presidential nominee, should be standing together and saying, enough is enough. We have to call this out. I had a chance in my hotel room to watch some of the first hearings on the impeachment inquiry. What was that, Thursday? Let's see, the debate was Wednesday, I think. So Thursday, yeah. So, And it was, again, I, I appreciate that they're pointing out these, what appear to me to be, financial crimes. Oh, there's no evidence. There's nothing tying this to Joe Biden except, you know, 50% for the big guy, except my dad is sitting right here. Uh, the whistleblowers, Bobolinsky testimony, all of that stuff. And then the hundreds 
of thousands of dollars adding up in the aggregate to millions of dollars of transfers from Chinese companies and elsewhere after, just coincidentally, I'm sure, after some of these conversations, some of this apparent influence peddling. So I understand that they want to use the impeachment inquiry to get bank records, get people under oath, and get more information about that. But why in the world are they also not talking about impeaching Joe Biden for failing to enforce the law? He ignores the law when it suits him. He makes laws. He ignores this U.S. Supreme Court. Says, I'm still going to forgive student loans. I don't care what you say my power allows me to do. I'm going to ignore the laws in effect at the southern border. I'm going to do what I want to flood this country with illegals, some tragic, some dangerous, some outright criminals, and some actual terrorists. And I don't care what the laws say. I'm the president. I'm going to let that happen. Why did none of that come up during the impeachment inquiry? I just, I don't understand. It's, I admire the people who are standing strong. I think maybe I, no, I don't think I got grabbed audio for Byron Davis. He was very effective in presenting the case because the Democrats were just saying, yeah, no evidence tying this to Joe Biden. You have to remind them this is not the impeachment This is the impeachment inquiry to gather more evidence, to get the facts together. But why are they keeping it so narrow just on the financial crimes? This open border is the biggest disaster ever. Next to the possibility of our currency becoming no longer being the world's currency, the world's standard for currency, The long-term damage to our economic prospects, our social prospects, our safety of this flood, these millions upon millions of people just coming into our country unchecked is the biggest disaster of all. And except for the radical left, nobody approves of it. Nobody approves of it. I mentioned this, I think, last week for when I started talk radio back in 2014. I was talking about the sole reason, the undoubted reason why Democrats insist on open borders, are always fighting for amnesty for those who are already here, followed by citizenship, is because they want to build up their voting base, because their voting base is slipping away. Black people, Hispanic people, smart gay people, not, not the most extreme, but people who are concerned about their children, their businesses, their sovereignty, their safety, of all stripes, are slipping away from the radical near-communism that's being foisted on us right now. And they know it. So they're taking advantage of this bumbling buffoon who gets propped up in front of a teleprompter and mumbles and babbles his way through a few sentences every now and then to flood this country with with potential election victories there's talk about a federal id how hard you know how big of a leap is it that once you have that federal id hey now you can register to vote always looking for a different way to add voting numbers 
minimize ID requirements, minimize the stringency of signature verification, extend voting hours, put voting drop boxes on every corner, take votes after the election, extend the election from election day to election week to election month to in Virginia, I think it's election six weeks. Jimmy Carter, we've played this sound multiple times, has said years and years ago that one of the most dangerous things we could do to the integrity of our elections is to have mail-in ballots. Kamala Harris, we've played this a couple times over the last couple of weeks, talking about paper ballots just five short years ago. Set up systems to audit, but also what they can do around um, best practices and, and best machinery. Um, we are talking with them about the fact that it is probably best that you do not have your election system connected to the Internet because that will create greater vulnerabilities. And then look at where we are now in this year of our Lord 2018. We're talking about paper ballots, but that actually might be one of the smartest systems. Going back to, you know, a day when we could we could have something tangible that we can hold on to because Russia cannot hack a piece of paper like they can a computer system connected to the Internet. I think I now understand why Kamala cackles so much, because when she's talking seriously there, her, her voice is kind of like, why uh, paper? You know, she's a weird, weird sounding person. But, you know, who might criticize paper ballots? Huh? When Donald Trump won, when it was all Russia collusion, when the Steele dossier was being still being argued, did you know Donald Trump sued Christopher Steele in Europe over the Steele dossier? That should be interesting to see how that plays out. But while all that was being propagated by the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine as truth, then Kamala Harris was talking about, you know, we got to keep voting off of the internet we've got to go with paper ballots and remember back at the early part of the uh, election fraud deniers arguments oh you can't connect these machines to the internet oh well these machines can connect to the internet but they don't connect to the internet oh they can connect to the internet and they do connect to the internet but they only connect at the appropriate time for the appropriate purposes and then we had people you know show us that you could walk by with a cell phone and hack into one of the machines and I, just on and on and on the, the, and it's, it's growing. The drumbeat is growing. The evidence is growing. Court cases are actually happening to continue to expose the availability to Democrats to cheat in these elections. And man, oh man, I'm grateful for that. If I may on a break, pull up the, a recent email, comprehensive email I got from the RNC about all of the election lawsuits that the RNC continues to pursue. And there are some significant efforts going on and some significant victories. So, you know, be of good cheer in that regard. But remember, we can't sit on our hands. We have got to fill our precincts. We've got to organize our precincts, have strong caucuses, um, have plenty of of judges and poll watchers and lawyers standing by to challenge things when they happen because they do happen. There have been prosecutions, more prosecutions for voter fraud around the country, uh, felony charges as well. So it's, 
Oh, it's just so slow. It's just so frustrating. And before we take our next break, and then we'll pick up phone calls on the other side, but uh, before we take our next break, I mentioned I was talking quite a bit about the second debate, and one of the biggest frustrations for me was how much time the moderators spent. Now, that woman from Univision, and I call it Univision. That, that's a U, not a U, but Univision, Univision. I couldn't understand her. And she's speaking in Spanish, which I couldn't understand either. But when she was speaking in English, I could barely understand what she had to say. And I don't know what she brought to a Republican primary debate. Why do we want media people? Now, you bring in a strong conservative Hispanic to be a part of that. I'm all for it. But she was a lefty, a lefty. And, and it showed in the questioning. But Dana Perino was the biggest, just the biggest disappointment for me. That question of hers on, you know, as they were wrapping up, let's pretend this is a, uh, a TV game show, and if you had to vote somebody on the island right down there on your whiteboards, who would it be? And I was so glad that Ron DeSantis just said, I'm not going to play that, Dana. We're here. We're serious. We want to debate, and I'm not going to do that. Of course, Chris, Chris Christie couldn't avoid the bait, had to, had to bite and go after Donald Trump. But then this popped up, and I've been getting text messages about this tonight as well. Some audio I sent in for Blake to get ready for us today. This is Dana Perino very recently at the Clinton Initiative. The Clinton Initiative, I think she was MC. The Clinton Global Initiative, I should always throw that in. You know, their big fundraiser where they raise millions of dollars and skim off of them and do very little good in Haiti and places like that. Um, the Clinton Global Initiative, Fox News host and Republican debate moderator, Dana Perino, introducing the secretary, Hillary Clinton. Of our organization with somebody that you are here to see the amazing... Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. The amazing. Of our organization with somebody that you are here to see. The amazing. Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. Man, oh man. Okay, Dana. I mean, would you take that job? If I was invited to go MC. Oh, it's getting late, isn't it? We need to, Let's go to our break, and then we'll get to calls on the other side. Randy Corcoran, 710-KNUS. The great association hit done by none other than David Partridge, also known as David Cassidy. So that's pretty hilarious. I uh, All this weird music that pops up on my phone now, I think, because I've been listening to you know, love stories and things like that. We've been promising phone calls. Let's get to Brian in Arvada. Brian, welcome to the show. Brian, you there? Turn up the phones. Thank you. Randy, can they, you hear me? I got you, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. Phones are hop keeping uh, Blake hopping back there. So sorry about that. Welcome. Oh, okay. No problem. That Perino, she's an embarrassment. People that watch Fox... They're just part of the game. They're they're already set. They don't care about the entrepreneur. They don't care about the working man. They know they get all bunch a whole bunch of money just to spread propaganda. 
And then once in a while when something bad happens, you know, they'll say the right little words that everybody's taught to say. I mean, it's so stupid. I can't believe people can't see this. I mean, it's as clear as day, but uh, maybe well, it's just me. Well, Brian, the, you know, I thought Dana Perino's Perina, Dana Perino's performance at the debate was was pretty poor. I mean, none of the moderators kept control of the debate, and then some of the dumb, winded questions they were jumping from. You know, they'd ask one question about one topic of one person, and then instead of opening it up to debate after that answer. Uh, unless someone was called out for a quick rebuttal, they'd go to a whole different topic and a whole different candidate. But that clip I just played, in fact, let's play it again. Of our organization with somebody that you are here to see, the amazing Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. I, I have to say in watching the video of that, Dana Perino introducing Hillary Clinton at the Clo uh, Clinton Global Initiative, I couldn't tell if maybe she was kind of struggling to come up with the right word. That was kind of a half-hearted endorsement in truth, wasn't it? Well, look, they're all <laughs> bought and paid for. I mean, we, we got to start wising up. It's propaganda. It's entertainment. You might as well be watching a movie at this point, okay? They're going to do what they're told. That's the way it's going to be. And that's why I don't know how they can let Trump in. I think they would go at any extreme not to because – the problem is they all got their hand in the pot. I mean, it's good cop, bad cop. Hey, I'll be the good cop. You'll be the bad cop. You know, we'll, we'll take all the all the profit here. You know, you look at Ukraine. You look at everything that's going on. You look at the border. I mean, it's intentional. It's stupid. And they, yeah, they come up with their little, hey, look at me. I'm really doing something. When they're not really. It's It's a game. So, and I think going back to your friend Ken Buck, Something happened to him. He didn't just decide, well, I'm going to change all my positions. He'd been compromised. I don't know what they found on him. It could have been something stupid. He could have went out, he could have went out like Hancock and, you know, decided one night, well, you know, I'm getting, I'm a little drunk. I'm getting a little frisky. Whatever he did. But they got something on him. Well, it's, I the don't know. The intelligence runs everything. I That's know. why you got to break them up. Well, you we got to break them up. We remember what Chucky e. Schumer said when Trump was calling out the deep state that they got, you know, they got mm -hmm. 16 ways from Sunday to get you. But there, there's no evidence that Ken Buck, that they've got something on him. I, I just, I don't think he's going to run again. I, the only reason I could justify him taking these positions and for me it is a disappointment i will tell you his name came up quite a bit from just my conversations at the state central committee gop meeting today and yeah. uh, and none of it was very favorable and that's too bad because well, I, I like him a lot be a bad guy is a no, sad thing yeah but when somebody's got something on you like the intelligence agency which they got something on everybody trust me Unless you're just completely – that's why I can't believe Trump's even made it this far. You look at the Epstein thing. Why haven't those names come out? Gee, I wonder. Maybe it's their ace in the hole. The, the intelligence agencies know what they're doing. They run the country. They just install puppets. And that's the way it is. And until you break them up, it's always going to be the same. And why haven't we seen more of the J6 footage, you know, that Tucker got his hands on and, and, and that Kevin McCarthy promised to release to the public? And, you know, the why did Trump back, backtrack from releasing the JFK stuff? Uh, anybody yeah, who doesn't understand who's really in control of this country is, is missing the boat for sure. Yeah, it's the intelligence. They've outsmarted all these dumb politicians, and they figured out, okay, 
They give us access to the intelligence. We got stuff on them, so we basically run the show. Christopher Ray ain't as scared of anything. Look at him. Look at the Garland when he gets up there with his shaky voice. They don't care because they already know they're in control. So until you break that up, and I know another host says, no, you can't do that. They do so much good work. But, you know, if oh, the head Lord. of the... If the head of the snake is bad, the rest is going to rot, or the fish, or whatever whatever you want to call it. Brian, you know and there's... Gonna... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought yeah. you were done. No, no you go ahead. I was just going to so. say, you know, there's nobody who's been a bigger proponent of individual law enforcement, standing up for cops, defending cops against the jab, hosting pro-police rallies that, you know, certain Denver police chiefs allow to be overrun by Antifa and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not the ground level cops. It's not the the people who are following no, orders. No, I'm and, not saying that. No I know, I know fact, you're not. The sheriffs are one of the most important people you can have, because just like when that idiot uh, down to the uh, I guess south of us decided she was going to take all, you know, there's no more guns here and there or whatever she was blabbing her mouth about, just totally destroying, you know, the Second Amendment. And if it wasn't for those local sheriffs. She might have got away with it. Yeah. But, you know, the only time the local sheriffs didn't stand up was during COVID. They didn't say, no, we're not doing No, no more. We're not enforcing any of this nonsense. And, and if you want to keep your restaurant open, we're not going to find you. They failed there. They cowered. But you know what? They're they're very important. They're very important. And that's why you can't centralize stuff. You can't have it in the government like the FBI because then they got everything on everybody. And you know, they're basically in control. I mean, it's very simple. It's not and, that hard. And, Brian, I think the courts even stepped in and reined in Susanna Martinez, the governor of New Mexico. Um, the the sheriff said we won't enforce it. The courts said that you can't do it. So that was a good thing yeah. as well. And it just one, hey, have, you heard on, have you heard on Fox about uh, that Feinstein, I guess? She just voted like a few days ago, didn't she? Yeah, they were literally rolling her in in a wheelchair, basically incoherent. I mean, some of the video that I saw. I mean, that's got to tell you something. Even if you're a really lefty dummy, that's actually got to say, well, hold on. I mean, she voted like three days ago, and now she's dead, and now she's a hero. She wasn't a hero. She tried to take your guns. She wanted to kill your babies. No, she was a disgusting human being, although I don't wish her, you know, I don't wish anybody ill. But she didn't live a good life. Well, she didn't, she, you know, she lived a horrible life. I, she I, was a piece I, of trash. I understand respectful legacies of people who have passed and served and all that, and if, whether I disagree politically or not, you know, John McCain thumbed down on the overturn, the repeal of Obamacare. That's his legacy to me. Diana Feinstein, the the... Chinese spy who was her driver for what was it 20 years that's her legacy so I I you don't have to you know blow people up to be more than they are but you know we don't need to speak ill of the when dead as well they're, they're heroes I don't know if Fox has been running now they're saying the legacy of Diane legacy yeah. She had no legacy. Diane was about Diane. That was Diane's legacy. Yeah. So, and Fox you know, and Brian Brian Fox News I, I've got. I had it on in the background because I thought it'd be interesting tonight to see about the uh, voting to shut down or allow the government to shut down. Obviously, Kevin McCarthy buckled, so we're open now for another six weeks. But I don't know Gee, what's happened surprising. to Fox. I don't know what's happened to Fox News. They had a report on an emotional support alligator that they wouldn't let into some facility, 
and then a couple suing a Shanghai Airlines because they had a dog who was passing gas on an international flight. That's what they're reporting on Fox News on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I mean, good Lord. Brian, we got the music. God bless you, man. Have We're a great a movie. Hey, I, I love you, Randy, and uh, I know you miss your wife just because all the music you play, but yeah. uh, we're all thinking about you and praying about you, okay? God bless you, sir. You. Great weekend all for right. you. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, I know it gets obvious sometimes, but it does help. These songs, I don't know. I'm clunking along. It's the way I describe it. Anyway, hour one is in the books. Looks like we've tracked down Christy Burton-Brown. We'll take her and more of your calls when we come back for hour two of Wake Up with Randy Corcoran, 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.